Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, how are you doing, my friend? You ready to talk some Penn State football? Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm doing good. Thank you. How about yourself? Are you ready to talk Penn State football? I I am, as always, Andy. This is going to be a bit of a news and notes type of show for you and I. I do have a guest coming on in quarter number four. Interesting. Uh, it, it's a fellow by the name of John Hook who wrote a guest opinion piece for statecollege.com. If, if you all want to see it, just go to statecollege.com where John against the grain a bit. He talks in terms of why shouldn't Penn state build a new stadium instead of renovating Beaver stadium. Um, interesting conversation with him. We'll talk about that in quarter number four, but Andy, you and I have to hit the news and notes. The big news this week, defensive line coach, John Scott, He's out. He's going from the Nittany Lions to the Detroit Lions, taking a job in the NFL. So this was not someone getting fired, nothing like that. I think the big news for this is it's a bit late in the season for this kind of change. And you have spring practice coming up pretty soon. It's a little bit of short notice for James uh, Franklin to have to make a change. Yeah, here's where James is. He always has a list for every position and knows his next move ahead. That's just the way he operates. He always plans ahead like that. That's part of what, you know, is makes him a great, you know, CEO and program uh, front man. But yeah, he's John Scott Jr.'s coached in the NFL before. So this probably isn't a huge shock to James. The timing, you're correct, Jimmy. It's It's just a bit off on the regular sort of coaching carousel calendar, but it's the NFL and the right opening found him, right? Detroit's an up and coming team. They've got good young talent. So, and I think he more than proved his medal at Penn state and what he can do with young talent. I mean, he's developed what three or four, you know, NFL defensive linemen during his tenure. And overall, I think the player development since, you know, under his tenure, I think it's been nothing short of excellent. Remember, so I when I think of it, I said, remember the 2021 season when P.J. Mustafer went down and was gone for the year with an injury? And when it came to the defensive line, and at that point you were like, oh boy, what is this going to look like? It didn't drop off. It didn't hurt this team. It wasn't a problem. And, and the players get a lot of credit for that, but coaching and player development, they also make a difference. So... That is sort of what I remember about John Scott Jr. I mean, I think he's done an excellent job at Penn State, and I don't think James is surprised by this. And James will have an answer sooner than later, I would think. He knows where he wants to go and what he's looking at. We've, um, and first of all, full disclosure, we, we are recording this prior to James Franklin finding that new man, okay? So right. as we talk about this, the one name that seems to keep popping up is Dion Barnes. Now, Penn State, we're, they are now, I think you could call them a perennial top 10 program. It's a good job. It's an attractive job. Penn State seems to have the 
resources now that they are investing into assistant coaches. I think if he does a national search, he'll find plenty of good candidates. The internal candidate seems to be Dion Barnes. Do you have any uh, thoughts on whether Barnes would be ready for the job or not? Yeah, I. it's an interesting option. So it, this is one of those times where James gets to – James gets to make a choice whether he wants to go with, you know, one of those guys who that he sort of found and developed, which is basically Deion Barnes. I mean, he was coaching high school ball back in Philly. He's from Philly, and he's he's a former Penn State player. I think he was a freshman All-American uh, his first year in like 2012 or 13. I think it was uh, – that was it. And he's a great name, right? Philly native, he was back coaching high school, and James was like, he saw something in him that told James, this guy's got great potential as a coach, even though he was just, you know, he finished just taking his shot at the NFL, cup of coffee, and done, you know, that was over. And he was coaching high school ball, and James plucked him back. He spent a couple years as a grad assistant. He's now an offensive analyst. Ah, is this what Penn State needs? in terms of coaching at the position? Do they need to go with a young, inexperienced guy who can relate, who's never, quote-unquote, recruited? He brings some things to the table, but I think the question is, is this what Penn State needs for the next two to three years? Is the answer to that, they really need Deion Barnes. If you can't say yes to that, then, you know, you you have to walk away from that right now. But... That's a decision James has to make. But the the question for me is, is he what Penn State needs? Because that will be the first question James wants to go is, what do we need in a defensive line coach? What am I looking for? And figure that out and move from there. And a couple thoughts on this, and I know we've talked about this a bit this week on our prior shows, Andy. I think the advantage that James Franklin has is, He's obviously no stranger to Deion Barnes. He's been in the program now coaching or as an analyst or grad assistant, all of those different roles. But James Franklin has seen his work over the last couple years. So he should have a good feel whether, yep, he's the right guy or not. The second part to this, though, is the recruiting aspect. And some of the hires that, James Franklin has made and some of the promotions he's done, including Dion Barnes, it's targeted at areas for recruiting. Dion Barnes has apparently recruited Philadelphia really well, and that's important to Penn State. They brought in another analyst because of his jersey roots. The new wide receiver coach has, uh, you know, great. Virginia roots down in the Norfolk Tidewater area, which is very important. And Penn State wants to break into there. So that's a huge part of this. And I'm not going to trivialize position coaches, but a lot of the X's and O's is done at the coordinator side. And the other thing is there's been word that Deion Barnes has been working with the individual players who have been complimenting him quite a bit. For, their, for his work with their individual skills. So there seems to be at least a little bit of momentum for it, Andy. There should be a little bit of momentum because the second side of it is he would be 
it, it does. It, it might be the right timing for James to make this move and go with a, a young guy like this that he sees great promise in. That is one side of it. The other side is what does he have to work with to get himself started? He's got some pretty, he does not have an empty cupboard if they were to go that direction. So he starts in a position of, you know, he would be in a good position to start. It's not like he's got to rebuild this defensive line from scratch as a 30-something-year-old young first-time position coach. He's got some, you know, he's got some clay that he's helped mold to really work with. So that to me, that's the other flip side of it. And when I think about it and you put some of the pieces together, it might be the right time for the for James to make a move like this. On a lot it of fronts, it doesn't make sense, but it might it might be the timing might be right. We'll see. And it's always good for a program to promote within. Uh, it, it's good for everybody. Speaking of recruiting, though, new recruit this week, guy by the name of Kerry Jackson, linebacker from Michigan. And he's the second linebacker in this three-man class so far. And he also appears to be a middle linebacker type, and which is also number two, a second one of those, Andy. Any thoughts on this recruit? Yeah, he's um, – so the, the, the linebacker thing is the, is the very early returns on the Manny Diaz factor, right? Like, it's linebacker U, that's a Penn State thing, but Manny Diaz is also – spinning some web with linebackers and, you know, moving Curtis Jacobs to a new position, finding Abdul Carter and then unleashing him. That's what players want to see. So I think this is part of it. I don't think, uh, I don't think Jackson is an, is an early impact player and very him and Anthony Speck, the other linebacker that's already in the class, they're very similar in a lot of ways. So I think they are both linebackers that could potentially, if, play those few snaps in the middle, but I also think there's more linebacker positions that both of them could possibly play, right? Like they don't have to be a middle linebacker to play linebacker at Penn state. So I'm not sure he's in like one of those impact early guys. I think he needs a little more mold and clays like a three, four star prospect kind of ranked middle of the road, but he does have a couple little elements that I like, but I honestly think they're probably going to get maybe one or two more linebackers, at least in this class. I think this could be a linebacker heavy class and that could be because of the Manny Diaz factor, to be honest with you, Jimmy. And I think part of this, Andy, is that there's a, um, a situation where there's momentum overall on this, with this team and specifically with this defense Correct. That makes them attractive to to recruits. It's going to be hard, though, a little bit hard to recruit for immediately playing time on that side of the ball like they did it last year, right? Like last year, they played all of those young guys and all of those freshmen. And they're still going to say, hey, look what we did in 2022. Look how many guys we played. Look how many opportunities we created to get on the field in a hurry. Well, a lot of a, an awful lot of those dudes are coming back, and so those type of opportunities are going to be a little less limited. But they're still going to sell it that way because that's what they're doing. And if you show yourself enough, you will get limited opportunities. But to be honest with you, there's not much room at the end on the defensive side of the ball because there's 
just a whole lot of depth that they developed and a lot of those guys are coming back. And when you look at the linebacker position, you start at four or five if you're a new recruit. You don't start at three. You're starting beyond four or five, maybe even five or six. And that's just the depth that Penn State has built. I'm very much an advocate for recruiting regionally as much as possible, Andy. But when you have a high-profile team, which Penn State is now, um, the recruiting nationally. So getting a kid from Michigan, I think, is significant. Getting a kid from out of the area, I think that speaks to Penn State's brand. And even more specific, again, Defense and linebackers with Manny Diaz, as you pointed out. Andy, that's it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got a lot more news and notes to go in segment number two. Stay tuned. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galante. We're going through our Penn State football news and notes. And Andy, we've been talking. In fact, Dustin and I did a whole show on where the Big Ten schedule is going to end up in 24 once you add USC, UCLA. The consensus for most people is they're going to go to the 366 model. Correct. You have three rivals. You play every year. 
The other 12 teams, you alternate those six teams one year and the other. And in a four-year span, you would get to play every team at least twice and at least once at home and once away. Well, the Big Ten seemed to confirm some of this, and they came out after a meeting, and it was interesting. The question that's left out there is, how much are you going to build this schedule based on what TV wants? And here's what TV wants, Andy. They want Michigan, Ohio State, USC, and Penn State to play each other every year. Right. Get the most, most big-time games. But let me read this to you. They said, here are the core tenets, the things that they want to be concerned about. College football uh, playoff qualification is a core tenet. I yeah. think that eliminates those four teams playing each other every year. Correct. And any future alignment must serve that greater good. And two other common sense principles were established also. One, that scheduling should be fair and equitable. Good well, that you. also means you're not going to have Penn State play Ohio State, Michigan, and USC every year. And the final tenet was that every four-year player should compete at least once on every Big Ten campus, which is what I talked about. You won't have this situation like the Southeast Conference where Alabama hasn't played Georgia uh, in a regular season game in decades. Yeah, with, when they when they expand and go to 15 teams, the fair and equitable statement means that means that you're not going to see the hammers playing each other. They're they're in a little bit of ways that tells me they might be following a little bit of the SEC model. I don't know how they're going to line it up if they're going to go one big conference, if they're going to figure out some way to split them, but they're going to keep their hammers apart as much as possible instead of putting them together and making it more for the big picture of college football and for television more compatible. Well, here's Andy, you know, Dustin and I went through this discussion at length and here's what we came up with. And I feel this is the case. There are four blue bloods, Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, USC, Michigan has to play Ohio state. We know that. And that will happen every year. That's going to happen every year. How about making USC, and Penn State rivals that play every year, and then you play those other teams every other year. So if you're Penn State, you'll play USC and then either Michigan or Ohio State every year. You'll you'll play two of those teams, and so will the same thing for those other three. And it's fair. It's equitable. You still get a lot of those big games, but perhaps most importantly, is you preserve the ability to get multiple teams into that 12-team playoff. If right. you have those four teams all play each other every year, that's a lot of losses those teams would have to absorb. So when they're talking about fair and equitable to me, that means they're looking at when they say the college football playoff. In the in the scenario where you have a championship game, your one and two teams in that championship game have already they already have opportunity for that. What you're looking for to do now in your scheduling, this is just my two cents. I don't know if you and Dustin talk about this. You're looking at your three, four, and five team. Can we help the three, four, and five team? That's still might be really good, but isn't good enough to be the a one or two. 
is it fair and equitable and is, are we creating opportunity for them to possibly be part of the college football playoff as well? That's sort of what you're, when your conference is that big, you're one and two, it's going to kind of take care of yourself. What can you do for your three, four and fives, which is sort of what the SEC does by keeping the hammers apart and making everybody else play each other. They're creating opportunity for their three, four and five. And I think the Big Ten is is has to focus on that because they haven't in this current system they haven't created opportunity for three, four, and five. But what you have to have, Andy, is a little bit of balance. Those TV networks are paying huge money and want big matchups. Yes. But I think when they say equitable, what they're talking about, and I've seen places where, in fact, I just read one today where they were predicting the rivals, and they had Ohio State playing Michigan, Penn State, and USC. That's crazy. Now, which is because then you then have a team like, what if Wisconsin plays none of those? You could yeah. have you know, teams um, by equitable. I don't think you could have too many of the hammers. Now, here's the thing to realize, though. With 3 6, six you may not have, in my scenario, with Penn State having USC as a rival and not Michigan and Ohio State, they will still play Michigan two out of four years. They will play Ohio State two out of four years. So you'll still get those big games. So anyway, let's move on, Andy. Sure. Uh, another bit, a tidbit that came out this past week that's fascinating, and there's logic to it, more rumors about the Big Ten raiding the Pac. 12, 10, 8, whatever they have left there, and perhaps looking for two teams or four. If it were two teams, Oregon and Washington. If it were four, you'd add Cal and Stanford. And what it would do is make it a little easier for USC and UCLA. They wouldn't have all the travel across the country every time they compete. And that's beyond even uh, football. But one of the things I also found interesting in this article was the statement, and I had mentioned this before, the Big Ten's TV contract now has a big game at noon with Fox, CBS late afternoon, NBC early evening, you know, the 730. If they could add all those West Coast teams, maybe they could get an additional TV contract for late night, that 1030 game from the West Coast and add even more TV money to to get the money to afford those teams. So I look at I'm looking at this a little bit differently. So I I'm looking at it from the okay. So the Big Ten's interested or possibly interested in going a little more west towards the west. But if you're uh, the two teams that you mentioned, if you're Oregon and Washington, in my opinion, the only reason you jump to the Big Ten is because the money is so ridiculous. You just can't walk away from that kind of cash because competitively you have a much greater chance of being a college football playoff team in the Pac-12 than you do any day and twice on Sunday in the Big Ten. I mean, the money the money is going to be there. But if you're, say, Oregon, you become a middle-of-the-road team. That's what you become in the Big 12. You're not one of the Blue Bloods coming in. You're not a USC. You're not a major impact program. You're not bringing, you know, that to the table. You're not cracking the top five, I don't think. And and same for Washington, even maybe even a little further down. 
what the only thing I can see that is that those schools doing that is because the money's just so ridiculous that they can't. And and Andy, you can make that same argument about Oklahoma and Texas going to the Southeast Conference. And you're right, it is about money. And also remember, the Pac 12 has not gotten their new TV contract yet. They have, they are struggling. They're, they are losing out on candidates. They may end up having to go to a streaming contract. It will be interesting to see that. All right, Andy, let's hit um, another point. A week ago, you and I talked about Beaver Stadium renovations. And again, remember, we've got a guest on in quarter number four who's going to talk. He's, he's, his advice was build new. But most of the momentum right now is on renovations. You and I went through it. We had more than one listener get to me and say, we missed something important. We didn't talk about Wi-Fi. Yeah, so Jimmy, stadium Wi-Fi, it's just one of those things that for all the advances in technology in in those big open spaces, it's just not been able to be mastered. I mean, you go to NFL stadiums, I go to NFL stadiums as a fan. I can't get Wi-Fi in NFL stadiums despite the the gazillion inch boards and all the ribbons and streams going on and all the music pumping in and all the technology in the game. I can't get it on my – it's just one of those things. Penn State's is bad already, right? Like Beaver Stadium is, is just not good. When they upgrade, this is just what I think. They're going to go to some upgraded Wi-Fi, but just generally speaking, it Wi-Fi in a stadium where football is played in that big venue, it's just something that hasn't been able to be mastered. When you put 60, 80, 100,000 people together with everybody having a phone, it just doesn't seem to function well in any way, shape, or form. And if the NFL's having trouble – Everybody else has got to be having trouble too. Well, you know, I've already sent text messages before the game starts, Andy, and out in the parking lot tailgating, I'll send a text to someone and they'll tell me they got it after the game ended. Right. That's not Wi-Fi is just awful. Beaver Stadium is just, it's awful by modern standards and it's worse than most right now and they do need to upgrade so i will apologize for andy and i that we didn't address it i think both of us when we heard stadium renovations we thought about actually the stadium itself we weren't thinking about wi-fi but i'm telling you we both would like improved wi-fi there if that could happen it would be great andy um just it's interesting to me and again we're going to have a conversation in quarter number four talking about stadium renovation versus building new but it's fascinating to me how much interest there is in this topic and and i realize a lot of us fans we're passionate about it this is how we spend our fall weekends at beaver stadium and would like to see improvements. Are you surprised at all, though, about how much reaction we're getting from talking about it? No, because the 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 era. It's the time and era where the where it's just not going to the game at the stadium. It's now an experience. So 
everybody's got tastes of the experience and now they want more tastes and that's why they're passionate. All right, Andy, that's going to be it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we're going to ask Andy. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. You know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions and we ask them of Andy. At the end of the segment, he'll pick out the best question. The winner will get a prize pack from our good friends over at 409tailgateclub.com, including those incredible, and I'm getting a thumbs up from Mandy on the 409 stuff, the wonderful coffee barbecue rubs. Definitely, it's a two-thumbs-up product. Andy, are you ready, sir, to answer the questions? Fire away, Jimmy. Let's go. All righty. Let's hit it. I think you'll enjoy this one, Andy. Had me laughing. Steve from Columbia says, can we please stop the Andy and Jim love fest? Uh I want to hear a vehement argument or two. Football is a mean, nasty sport. Give us some meanness and nastiness. Please find a topic you two strongly disagree about and go at it. I want personal foul calls unsportsmanlike podcast penalties, perhaps ejections with someone storming off the podcast. 
What do you think there, Andy, of Steve's comment? So Steve wants so Steve wants the segment where me knowing football way better than you, Jimmy, um, I like school you on that and say you're just completely wrong. And then you just take the last 90 seconds and talk and don't give me a chance to counter and tell me why I am completely wrong and you're completely right. So that is – he wants a little more angry Jimmy and a little more angry Andy. And it's hard to do, though, when Penn State – I don't know, Steve, were you not listening during 2020 and 2021? Because we were pretty tough on that football team. And, you know – I'll tell you what we need to do for Steve. We need to bring back our agree-to-disagree segment, Andy. And, Steve, I'll tell you what, my friend. Next time you send in a question, put in the question – Hey, Andy, how could you possibly say Christian Hackenberg is better than Drew Aller? That will, I promise you, will get us started, okay? Right. All right, Steve. Let's move on. Let's go to Brad in Percasy, who says, Who do you want Penn State to get as its next defensive line coach? Tell me the pros and cons of Sean Spencer, Larry Johnson, Dion Barnes, Elijah Robinson, or another candidate. And Brad finishes with, also, what is your favorite type of chicken wings? Oh, that's a good question. So I think uh, I think Coach Chaos, that's Sean Spencer. He's not with the Giants anymore. He's coaching in Florida. I just think he's too expensive. I mean, he's making a million-plus bucks at the University of Florida, and I just don't think uh, they're going to have that. I, Deion Barnes is intriguing because they have a stock shelf. I I kind of think the one name that grabs me is is Andrew Andrew Jackson from West Virginia. He spent some time as a grad assistant under Sean Spencer at Penn State. He has some Penn State ties. He's moving up. He's 34 years old. He's kind of like Deion Barnes. It's not at Penn State right now. So those are some of the names I like. I think James gets to do something unusual here. He gets – because this is, has to happen in an unusual time frame, and he always has a plan, we know. He always has options. I think he gets to pick and choose an option now. Like, really, he could do something different than you might think would be normal, like hire Deion Barnes as his new defensive line coach, and I don't think you should ask any questions because it's like, nah, that kind of makes sense right now. So I think this is, a, this is a cool spot for him to be in. That's just my two cents. And your favorite wing? Oh, my favorite wing. So I'm wondering if it's like this. So I like Thai. So like a Thai sweet chili um, because it's got that heat and sweet. So I like sticky, heat, and sweet. Um, Those are my favorite kind. Anything that like a barbecue sauce that sticks to my fingers and makes me lick them and, and anything with sweet and heat combined, I'm all in. Okay. Steve, I'm going back to Steve. Perhaps this is our controversial question. When we're talking chicken wings, a couple things you got to know. Well, first of all, if you haven't tried the 409 tailgate chicken rub, try it. Phenomenal. It's like lemon pepper, but with a little bite to it. Exceptional. I'm also a traditionalist. Buffalo wings, fantastic. Okay. Love them. Love them. Love them. And you all know I'm a barbecue guy. Love barbecue. 
the ribs, the pulled pork. Love it, love it, love it. Even barbecue chicken. Love it. But not on wings, Andy. You don't do barbecue wings. There are so many other options. Barbecue wings, no. Almost anything else, yes. Okay? Now I, that I've set you straight on that, let's, let, let's move on. Uh, let's go to Dan and Bell Vernon, who says, he starts with this. A good friend of mine lives and works in State College, and he's been raving about the 409 tailgate barbecue rubs. Well, Dan, you don't have to go to State College. Go to 409tailgateclub.com, and you too can get some of those great rubs. Here's his question, though. I loved your podcast talking about prognostications of the Penn State 2024 team. With USC and UCLA joining the Big uh, Ten in 2024, it's speculated somewhat predictable that the Big will dissolve divisions and they'll go to the 366 scheduling, which we talked about, um, like the Southeast Conference is also certain to do. Who do you predict will be Penn State's three designated annual opponents? This is different than what we think it should be, Andy. What do you think the Big Ten will do? So I think the Big Ten is going to go with one of the hammers. And I think they're going to go, I think they're going to make Penn State and Ohio State be a a rival. I think they're going to go with Penn State and UCLA. Not USC, UCLA. And I think they're going to go Penn State and Maryland. That, it could be Rutgers, maybe, instead of Maryland. I just think it, they're going to go with Maryland. That's the way I think it. I think they're not going to go – they're not going to make them go Ohio State, USC. I think they're going to go Ohio State, UCLA, and Maryland or Rutgers, and I'm leaning Maryland, but it wouldn't – it could be Rutgers. The problem is, Andy, and this goes back to the discussion we had earlier in the show when they use words like equitable. If Penn State, Ohio State, which makes – a lot of sense, and I get it. The problem is Ohio State already has Michigan. Correct. Are you going to give Ohio State both Penn State and Michigan? Now, who are you going to give USC? Obviously, USC has UCLA. Correct. But if Penn State has you know, Ohio State, but Ohio State has Michigan and Penn State, who are you going to do with USC? Are you going to give them Michigan? So Michigan has Ohio State and USC. Do you make Michigan and Ohio State have the two other blue bloods or as permanent on their schedule? I I do think that they will give them at least one of the two local teams or regional teams, either Maryland or Rutgers. I you know um, I even think though get a West Rut- team. Rutgers. New Jersey is adjacent to Pennsylvania and not the other uh, states. It makes sense in that way. Is there any chance to give Penn State, you think, both Maryland and Rutgers as rivals? That's not equitable. I don't know if that's fair and equitable. I mean, that's like, I mean, they're both mediocre programs. So, I mean, I think they're more apt to give them like, you know, you know, say, you know, Wisconsin more than they would give them both of those as, as rivals. I, I, I have a hard time seeing giving both Rutgers and Maryland as rivals. Hey, if you're a Penn State fan, you 
you take the football, you take it. You're like, hey, all right, we play Rutgers in Maryland every year. Well, here, here's the problem, though, Andy, when we look at this and say, if it were, say, USC, Maryland, and Rutgers, is everyone's, oh, what a lousy schedule Penn State has. No. No. And if they'll still get either Ohio State or Michigan every, every other, every year they'll get one of the two. One of those two, yeah. You're just sick of playing them every year. You'll you'll get oh. those teams from out west. Like maybe one year it's Wisconsin, the other year it's Iowa, Michigan State, UCLA every other year. So when you start to add in those other 12 teams that you get every one of them at least every other year, the schedule starts to look a whole lot better. And the fact that you do have, you know, Maryland and Rutgers on your schedule, I don't think it'll happen, but I – I think you also have to throw Maryland and Rutgers a bone in that they they would want to play Penn State. That's who they're competing against. It means a sellout at their stadium. So there could be reasons for that. Anyway, let's move on. Let's see. Um, let's get Steve, my good friend Steve in Potomac. He always is able to put a negative spin on things, Andy. So let's let's go with what he has to say here. Um, enjoyed your segment on quarterbacks under Fra- Franklin last week. Franklin decided to stick with starters McSorley and Clifford, who had less upside and less physical talent and upside than uh, Stevens and Levis, respectively. Does that mean Franklin's not able to develop quarterbacks, specifically Stevens and Levis? And if so, are you worried they won't be able to develop Aller? Um, no, I, I see. I think at the time that they were starters, I think I think Steve's wrong. I think at the time when you had to make a talent development analysis, I think Penn State made the right call in both cases. I'm sorry, I don't. It, it's not how they played out at the end of the day. It's when you had to make the call. And I think at both times Penn State made the right call. I, I, when the timing, when they were, when their hand was forced to make a decision, I think they made the right call both times. I definitely think they made the right decisions with McSorley. I understand the uh, um, argument for Will Levis. Hey, this is a guy who's going to be, you know, a top 10 draft pick maybe even top five. So I understand that. But I think the other fallacy to this is, especially now laying this on Franklin, I think if you're going to talk about developing this quarterback, the conversation is about Mike Yursich, not about right. James Franklin as far as yeah. developing the quarterback. And they haven't, they're, they haven't been getting five-star talent either, right? They have it now. So what are they going to do with it? That's what we get to see for the first time at this level. And again, I think it'll be on Mike Yursich to do that development. Andy, that's it for quarter number three. Stay tuned. We got more to go in quarter number four. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante and we are here with our special guest, John Hook. John is the president of the Hook Group, a local management consulting firm. But the reason John is with us today is that he wrote an opinion piece on statecollege.com that caught my eye. First of all, John, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Jim, it's great to be here, bud. Happy to be on with you. Well, you say that now. Let's see if you're still saying that after we're done. Here's what caught my eye with your article. Mm-hmm. We've heard the announcement from the university folks that they're looking to do an upgrade to Beaver Stadium. Never never a mention of the possibility of new construction. And in your article, you are about the only person I've seen who said, hey, why don't they build a new stadium? Before I ask you why you think that, let me ask you this. How come you think everybody else is just saying, let's renovate uh, the current stadium? Money is the, is the root of all fun and games. And most people assume that renovation is going to be less expensive than a, com- a complete new build. And that's going to be true depending on what you decide to renovate. But there, that stadium has been so piecemealed together since, you know, you, you and I know how long that thing's been there. Um, when they moved it in 1960, but it was originally the the guts, that lower bowl was constructed and first played in in 1949 when it was old, you know, when it was new Beaver Field over where Kern and, you know, the water tower, the Rec Hall water tower. Are. So, you know, m- money is, like I said, the, the root of all the fun. And um, so they're going to say, well, let's renovate because they don't know what they can raise. And that's the that's the gist of it. If you can't raise the money to make a new to build a new stadium, well, then you're going to have to renovate. And, you know, it it also gives them the opportunity to 
to fall back on that because you can build from there and say, oh, well, we thought we were going to renovate, but we raised enough money to go ahead and build a new one and we will. But if you say that you're going to build a new one and you don't raise enough money, then you look like you have a little egg on your face if you say, oh, shoot, we only got enough to renovate the West Stands, you know? To sum that up, it sounds like somebody's covering their behind is what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I, well, it's corporate America, baby. You know, boys and girls, that's what you have to do. And you and I were talking before we started recording that uh, about the history of the stadium and it's fascinating. I was just, I had some old articles about the uh, new Beaver Stadium where it currently resides and it was built in 1960, but it was actually taken pieces of it from the old F- Beaver Field, as you described. But what was interesting is it was like around the 30s when they first came up with the plan. And part of that plan was we'll upgrade the old field from wooden bleachers to steel bleachers with the idea of later on, we won't have to build a new stadium. It'll be reconstruction. So this has been going on 90 years. They they talk reconstruction, not new build. Right. And that, and that's basically the, you know, the first of the main reasons that I say that they really ought to be considering new build. And I'm sure that they, you know, I'm sure that they are. I mean, they mentioned that in their press release that this was, you know, uh, the president, uh, Ben Apudi, uh, you know, mentioned the, the word economical, you know, at least twice in four sentences. And, uh, you know, so they're they're trying to put a face of, you know, we're being cost conscious. We're being good stewards of our donors money, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, I'm, I know, you know, we know for a fact that they're thinking about, um, you know, the new build because they said specifically that renovation would cost less money than a new build, which it will, depending, like I said, on what you do. But it, new build would be a great thing to have happen, if, in my opinion. Well, and, and we also know that when you get a consultant to come in and compare, it's easy for you to direct which way the numbers will skew and will come out. So if somebody wants a upgrade or a renovation, they can make the numbers look that way. Now, as promised, I'll ask you the question then, sure. why rebuild? Why new build? New, new build is, first of all, like I said, the guts of that place are, are 70 years old and, well, actually older. Like you said, the guts are closer to 90 years old, but that whole horseshoe part is, um, is 70, is over 70 years old. And for the average football stadium, that's a pretty long life. There's a lot of, and it's been pieced together. There are a lot of things that we would love to see done with that, you know, that space in terms of, you know, uh, sustainability and different kinds of things that they would make that, that could make the, the stadium better in terms of traffic flow and people flow and seating and sight lines and all the rest of that good stuff. And just continuing to piecemeal it together isn't going to really work. Um, in addition, like I said, the um, the land is not an issue for Penn State in a real great sense. If you look at other universities, other major college, you know, Division One college universities around this country, most of them run into issues with land. You know, they want to renovate their stadium or they want to build a new stadium. They can't because they physically would have to do it on the same spot that it's in now, which is, you know, just impossible to do it with a football season. Um, Pitt, heck, the two other Division I football teams in this state, Pitt and Temple, don't even have their own on-campus stadiums, you know? So, um, 
you know, we have a school of architecture. We have a, you know, we have a great sustainability program and we have, you know, opportunities to do all kinds of stuff with that sort of thing. I think, you know, um, you know, a, a, an iconic stadium that is really an iconic stadium and not an amalgamation of, you know, steel and, and concrete um, would be something that the university could be very proud of, would be my way of putting it. I like the fact that you brought that up because I was going to ask you about it. The quote of, hey, we want to renovate. It's an iconic stadium. This is not Fenway Park or Wrigley Field. It's not a one of a kind special. What I always feel makes the place special is the crowd. The 100,000 people, the student section, the whiteout. I would just think if you build a new facility, you could definitely recreate the atmosphere, which is what makes it special. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the crowd, people talk about the crowd noise in Beaver Stadium. You know, you can, I mean, you'll get other coaches, Urban Meyer or whatever, down through the years who have said Beaver Stadium is the, the toughest place ever to play. You know, start the Michigan game and the first thing that happens is, oh, we got to call timeout because we can't hear anything. But we have acoustical engineers on campus too. You know, these guys can figure this out. And I, you know, I think, you know, the layman's perspective from everyone that I talk to is, you know, we've built it up so high all the way around that it, it, it keeps that sound in and you keep getting that bouncing around. Well, you can recreate that. I mean, that's not hard, you know, that's not hard to do. And again, uh, like you said, the people, a hundred thousand people in one spot, Hey, that's a, that's a great thing. And, you know, yeah, let's keep that going. And I don't think a lot of people are aware of just how many challenges there are in upgrading the current stadium. One of the things that I always thought was the easiest upgrade would be you remove those bleachers, you put in actual seats. Well, you can't, apparently, you can't do that because the width is not wide enough for seats where they have bleachers in there. So something as simple as that actually is not that simple. Not to mention the plumbing, the infrastructure. I would think also that there would be a major issue if you're going to upgrade what you have. That's quite the challenge to upgrade it and still play in that stadium at the same time. I mean, we are not extreme makeover home edition. You know, that's not Penn State doesn't have or well, I mean, at least they haven't had that ability. And and I will tell you from my perspective, I just came back from a week at Disney World and Epcot you know, there was construction that started at Epcot before the pandemic, and it's still going on three years later. And if Disney can't get something built that quick, <laughs> I'm not sure that Penn State's going to be able to do that. But uh, and Pagula, tone here for a second, Pagula is a great example of purpose built stadium, of a purpose built arena. And, you know, if we could get that firm, that architecture firm, that, you know, that group of people who did that sort of thing to, you know, to create a stadium for football, you know, that's pretty cool. Do you have an opinion on capacity for a new stadium? Uh, Is it important to stay over 100,000 with the capacity? It's a, that's a great, that's a great number, you know, a hundred grand, a hundred thousand people. How many stadiums in the country hold a hundred thousand people? Not that many. It's the second biggest, as we all know, stadium in the country behind, we all know who, Michigan, but I would actually, if it was my, you know, my opinion, my choice, biggest one in the country, you know, whatever that number needs to be, that's what we need to do. Why should Penn State not be 
number one in this. Like I said, between the land and that that most other stadium, most other colleges run into, Penn State has the space. They have the opportunity to do this. And part of it is because they took that opportunity, you know, back in 1960 and said, we're going to put it so far out away on campus that they can't possibly get there, you know? So, I mean, you know, something that Joe Paterno didn't particularly agree with at the time turned out to be a great thing. And he, you know, and, and years later, he said that, you know, th- that was, I didn't want to do it, but hey, it turned out to be a great thing. So, I agree with you. I've been taken aback at how consistent it seemed like everybody is with just renovating the current stadium because it is Beaver Stadium. It's iconic. But it it has to be, to me, easier to do new construction. You could just play your seasons in the old stadium, move over when the time is right. No, I have not seen the numbers and what it would cost for a new stadium versus the renovation. And I guess it does come down to, you know, how big a renovation in the last half minute though, if it does turn out to be renovation, what are the couple things you want to make sure they do with the old stadium? You know, seats, but that doesn't affect me because I actually have, I, I sit in the first few rows of the upper uh, of the Northern end zone of the upper deck in the Northern end zone, which has seats. And, you know, that was something that happened to us and our kids years ago. You, you know, Americans are not small people and, you know, <laughs> butt creep on the be- butt creep on the benches is a real thing. You know, when our kids were five years old and six years old and, you know, you start getting smushed, those, you know, those kids didn't like going to football games. So when they got their own seat, they're like, hey, nobody can take my space, man. This is my space. So first thing out of the gate, seats. You know, I, I a lot of people talk about traffic flow, you know, flow through the flow for people. Yeah, you know, I think there's some different ways that that could be done. I wrote a, yeah, I wrote a column about escalators. I still don't understand why the only, one of the only escalators in Center County goes up three different ways to get to the same spot. Like one escalator could do that. All right. Very good, John. I'll tell you what, we'll have to have you on again. We'll continue this discussion. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great to hear from you. And thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lion's soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. 